Bike racing is about a couple things. It's about it's a mixture of a couple, a few things. It's a mix of running a marathon, playing a game of chess, driving a NASCAR, and running for president. If you can't figure all those out, then you're not going to win. Hey everybody, welcome to the Forward Podcast. Yes, it is a Friday, and this is normally a podcast for Mondays. Um, but however, this is a special podcast. And, uh, well, it's not like crazy special, but it's special in the sense that some of you might have listened last week and know that uh, that I'm going to do, with friends, I'm going to do a daily Tour de France recap show. Um, so what I thought I'd do today... Is, is put this episode up, introduce the players, talk about what this show will be like, which is basically a spinoff of the forward, and and then talk a little bit about the Tour de France, what I see to be uh, the key points, the key players, the key messages, the takeaways, the risks, the reward. Um, and in a lot of ways, this, this is kind of a... Uh, a contradiction on what we've done for a year. We've been at this for almost a year. We've done 50-something episodes. Thank you to all the people that have downloaded uh, episodes of The Forward. I just heard today that we just went through 4.2 million downloads, which is just, if you'd have told me a year ago, sitting in the same place, same town with Tim League, that I'd have that many, I, I would have said you're crazy. So big thanks to everybody here. All right, <clears throat> let's get to it. So we are gonna, I'm going to do this podcast about the Tour de France, which is basically a recap show. I'll watch the tour. I'll absorb the tour. Take some time to reflect. And almost immediately, we'll record this podcast and put it up. This thing came to be because about six months ago, George Hincapi and I started kicking around the idea of doing this very thing. George's schedule is super crazy. I couldn't get him to Aspen, Colorado for an entire three weeks. And so you found another sucker. I found another sucker. Well, actually, <laughs> I'm I'm going to get to you, JB. But I, I first then we went from George and I. That didn't work. Then I thought, well, I'll do it by myself. And then I thought, I can't sit here for three weeks, thirty minutes a day, talking alone about a bike race. And then I thought, what about my old buddy JB Hager, who was Austin, Texas's, you know, most preeminent badass morning DJ uh, for 20-plus years uh, who knows just enough about cycling to be dangerous. I went to JB. I said, JB, what do you, what do you say you come up to Aspen for three weeks? And, uh, and we, you kind of helped me carry this show along. And uh, the cool thing is, is, and y'all are at home listening, as you get into this show over the course of three weeks, you'll see where we're actually recording this. So he's taken an old Airstream, and converted it into a studio. And he drove it up here from Austin, Texas. And so uh, we will record this show every day from uh, from JB's Airstream. And uh, before I get too far along here, this daily show actually has a different name. So it's different than The Forward. Um, and I think it should be, because The Forward is really, 
it's not a conversation about cycling normally, although occasionally I, I dip in. Uh, this is different. And so the, the logo will appeal, appear different. The, the name and the brand are different. And the name and the brand of this particular podcast for three weeks is called Stages. And Stages really represents, um, this, obviously, the stages of the tour. It represents the different stages of my life. And the different stages of all of our lives as we're going through this. But uh, so uh, you'll learn more about that as we go along. Um, so at this point, I'd like to introduce my buddy JB Hager. JB, thank you for being here. Thanks for driving up from Austin. Two day trip. <laughs> it sounded a lot easier when you, when you brought it up. That's a tough trip. It's not that bad. <laughs> you listen. You're here. It's not. A, it. It's not 110 in That's Austin. That's true. That's true. But. You know enough about cycling just to be dangerous, as well, I said. Yeah, what's funny is this came up, and you were like, hey, do you want to do this with me? And I, I thought about it for a second, and I was like, man, you know, I I haven't been following pro cycling for at least four years. And you go, cool, neither have I. <laughs> Which is totally true. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were just joking or not at that moment. I, I was dead serious, and I, but it's but much like... The, the the weekly podcast I do, uh, it's it's forced me, which I've enjoyed. It's mm-hmm. forced me to study, and right. like I was a terrible student, I never studied, but uh, but I study for my my weekly podcast. I can I, tell. Yeah, and I and so it's forced me to dig back into the sport. I, I wanted to do this. I've I've been asked a lot, or at least the people I've talked to, like, well, why now? Why do this? And the and the reality is is that. I spent years doing anything but cycling, anything but riding a bike. I would run, I would swim, I would go to the gym, I would play golf. And I got injured running, I needed an endurance outlet, so I went back to the bike. Just really because I was... How long ago? Uh, November, early November of 2016. Yeah, because you were doing all kinds of crazy endurance things, overnight Yeah, Spartan stuff, all this crazy shit. But I went just because I didn't want to weigh 300 pounds. And so I, I... um, but lo and behold, I was like, oh my God, I thought I hated this. I love this. And I fell, and it sounds corny, but I fell back in love with the bike. And I started following the sport a little bit and, and just kind of paying attention here and there and riding with some pros in Austin, riding with some pros here in Aspen. I know you had some posts. You were out with some young guys. Yeah. Right? It's not good. Up and comers. Yeah. I'm on the wheel. But that got you excited. It got me excited. It got me, if I'm 45, 46 years old and can hang, well, then I, I consider that like a victory. And so I just, I thought, well, you know what? Let's just talk about the tour. Let's talk about it um, every day and, 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 and come at it from a perspective of, you know, my perspective with experience um, and also with uh, total transparency. I mean, this this will be... Um, you know, you may not not always like what you hear on here, um, but uh, it's going to be. I think it'll be well informed. It'll be educated. It will come from experience, and uh, I have to say, this particular route lends itself to action. Like when I first, honestly, when we decided to do this, I thought, well, you know what, I should probably go to the website and see where the tour is going this year. <laughs> and Make sure I, it's still in France. It's it's well. It's interesting you say that. It doesn't start in France. I know. I was going to ask you about that. Which is we'll get into that. It's a whole other layer. But when I first looked at this route, I hated this route. I thought this is lame. Short time trials, not that many uphill finishes. The uphill finishes aren't that long, aren't that hard. 
who designed this? But as I lived with it and sat with it and studied it, I realized there's going to be some drama. Which is the goal, right? That's one of the things I wanted to ask you about. They, they clearly are trying to shake it up earlier. Wasn't it historically always, you know, flat stages through the first week? You know, the sprinters have their glorious week. I mean, that lasts throughout the tour, but they get, they might be in yellow. Yep. And they get to duke it out. They get all the headlines, and, and then it, you wait for it to go to the mountains. Yep. Look, the years that I did the tour and the years, or the years that I won the tour and the years before that, so I, I was in those years where Indurain, Indurain was comfortable coming into the tour two pounds overweight. I was comfortable coming into the tour two pounds overweight because you knew you had a week of cruising through Brittany, <laughs> Normandy, what's up? And, you know, you could lose the two pounds. You knew you would lose the two pounds. And then the first thing that would happen is a time trial. So you'd automatically have a decisive time trial that would separate the field, and then you'd get to either the Alps or the Pyrenees, and then you'd cruise along through the Massif Central, and then you'd have... I mean, it was fairly predictable, but you knew, save for an accident or some freak crosswind, that you'd be safe being a couple pounds heavy. These guys this year, if you're a favorite... You can't. You got to be ready to race on day one. This is going to be a, a nerve-wracking um, Tour de France, and just by looking at the weather that I've looked at in the last uh, couple hours, it's going to start wet. That's the worst way a Tour de France can start. So, um, for for a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously, if it's wet and rainy, we know that Dusseldorf, time, the opening time trial is longer than normal. It's going to be wet. If the early stages are wet. Guys are going to get sick. I mean, it just leads to all these complications. Well, and they always talk about those tour jitters mm -hmm. in the first few days, especially. That's a great point. And then you you got jitters, and you're going out. What is not a prologue is a full on time trial. Yeah, it's why it's, do they do that? It's just, a, to, just to stir it up even more early. It's a tweener. What's that mean? Well, it's it's not it's not a prologue and it's not a time trial. Oh, okay. It's, I could I could I mean, never mind. <laughs> but the interesting thing. Just to back up a couple of days. So those guys have been in Germany probably since Tuesday or Wednesday. The race starts. So you've got a three-week race that starts on Saturday. Normally, you have a one-week race that starts on Saturday. You get there on Friday. The tour is different. It's a different beast. you got to get there. You have all the medical controls, all the exams, uh, the riders meeting, the team presentation. It, it, it is just – and you're in this big city. You can't – it's – you you sit on the start ramp, whatever your start time is on Saturday. You know, everybody goes up. Most guys go off in one-minute increments. The last 20 go off in two. But literally the emotion and the feeling when you go down the start ramp, you're just like, oh, fuck, we're finally starting. Mm -hmm. Like all this bullshit all that we had to go through, which is part of it. Mm -hmm. You're just finally ready uh, to get started. And, you know, what they're going to get started on is um, – a not-so-short prologue in the rain, and technical. And so immediately you're going to have time gaps. So for the GC guy, for the guys who want to win, the Tony Martins of the world who wants to win in his home country and wear yellow out of his country, it, he's going to take a lot of risks. The GC guys, you know, they have, to, they have to think about that. But they also have to think that they have 14 kilometers, which is, uh, I don't know what I should know, but seven or eight miles, where they can lose significant chunks of time if – they don't ride aggressively. So you, let's talk about it starting in Dusseldorf. It was supposed to start in London, correct? 
and it got moved. I don't know. I believe it was supposed to know. start in London, and London's obviously had a very, very tough time. Mm. I don't think they're, you know, the thought of doing big events right now is probably very scary. And the mayor of, this is my understanding, the mayor of Dusseldorf stepped up and said, yeah, let's do it here. Right. Okay. Does that matter to you? Does it matter to anybody where it starts, other unless you're Tony Martin? It does. It doesn't. It, it it only it matters in the sense that, um, for a time trial, it doesn't matter because the time trials, the entire course is fenced off, and you're um, you're alone on the road. The minute that stage two starts and they go from Dusseldorf down to Belgium, it matters. Whenever the Tour de France leaves France. The crowds are 10x. So I don't care if they're in Italy or in Spain or in Belgium or Luxembourg or Germany or America. It doesn't matter. The crowds are massive. So with that comes, you know what that comes with. It comes with people on the road. Obviously, if you have 10 times the amount of people, that's more complicated. There's no fencing. There's no protection of the riders. So people were taking selfies. People out there Drunks. picnicking. Well, they had a couple of rosés. They got their dog out there. <laughs> yeah. It is dangerous. I mean, mm -hmm. I, the years that we did the tour... I tell you what, that that we'd go back into France. I'd be thank God, really. I mean, the the crowds of me, they, they see the tour all the time. It makes sense. It just touches into those countries for a day, maybe two. Right, and, and so they love that it's there. It's, it's there for a day. It's massive. Yeah. And so those 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 first two days are going to be really nervous. And if and if you add weather, uh, it's tough. And then you get to stage three, which is was to me is a we're going to know. We're going to start to know on stage three what's what's up with the what's up. I mean, it's just so funny to hear you talk about like these are the, the, the arguably the fittest athletes in the world, and you're talking about oh they don't have the first week to get in shape. <laughs> well, they're going to be in shape. They're just not as lean. They're going to be for the, when but, they go up hill. But, it, but right? it's different. It's different. They know. I mean, they've had look. The reality is these riders, whether you want to win a stage or whether you want to win the overall, they've known the course since last October. So they know they know what they're dealing with, and um, it, this would be a reversal. Then does it make it a bit of an advantage for those that did the Giro, coming in ready, as opposed to that's a lot and those guys are tired and they or no that for the guys who try to do the two of them that's a hard thing to pull off, but it can be done, and if you do it right, it can it can. Um, you can be very successful. It's not, as we know, it's it's not something that a lot of guys or a lot of favorites want to do. Um, but uh, you know, it, it it certainly you certainly can't come into the tour out of shape, but you can come into the tour flat. Now, as people are going to be checking this out, this is what I want to know because I, and I have a pretty good idea. You're you're much more vocal now, you know, and it seems like. Uh, everybody that races, former bike racers, they're still in the industry, the ones covering it, right? Right. They still are involved. They're still got to be bros with the tour and everybody involved. You're a total outsider. You're doing this podcast as an outsider. So does that mean if people want to follow this Stages podcast, they're going to hear a take that they're not hearing anywhere else? Well, I, I mean... Yeah. I'm going to call it as I see it, right? And and uh, that that could be the consensus, or that could be controversy. Um, for example, I watched you know one of the the, the main races leading up to this event uh, was the Dauphiné Libre, and Richie Port, who is my number one pick to win this Tour de France, 
had the yellow jersey and the Dauphiné Libre. He loses the race on the last day. He gets isolated from his team. He's uh, alone. Uh, Jacob Fuglesong goes up the road. And I'm thinking to myself, you can't figure this out? Where's the director? Where's the team? Mm-hmm. You can't find friends? <laughs> I, I'm serious. Like he should have, his posse should have been protecting him. No, some and pulling the, him up. You have to find. You don't. There, there's. We all. You know, there are nine guys on one team, but there are other. You know, teams where that you just find your friends. And to me, I, I mean, I, I would have taken. Um, you know, I, I just can't understand that. So I would have, in that instance, if we were calling that particular stage or, or stage race, I would have been totally perplexed at how you couldn't figure that out. It doesn't change the fact that I think he's uh, he is uh, the most likely person to win this tour, um, followed closely behind by Chris Froome, but I, I think Port has, uh, has the upper hand. Well, you know, so then what does he do differently? You know, it, is that the director's job to make sure that doesn't happen to him again? Well, you're saying he's got to find friends. You mean, well, it's it's the team's job to make sure you you compose the best team possible to uh, to try to achieve the goal, which is for them to win the tour. Um, if if it's a sprint team, then obviously you bring uh, you know the best sprint train that you can bring. But um, it, it's always a we always struggle to to find that balance of people that can. You have the leader, you have the climbers, you have the flatlanders, and 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 then you have the guys that you know that are just super tough, and they'll never, they just won't fail you. The, you know, the the Vecislav Ekimovs of the world, they're gonna be there. If you say mm-hmm. to Eki, you got to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't care what mountain you were going over, Ekimov was there every right. time. Right. The guys that will just literally destroy themselves to. Yeah. And and just they're just pros. Yeah, they know. I I actually heard a, a port on an interview, and he was uh, he was talking about how everybody was keeping him from succeeding. Yeah. You know, you're saying it's friendships, it's relationships, it's not being targeted. He like is like I was targeted. He wasn't complaining about it. He said that's bike racing, right? But I was targeted and not allowed to. Bike racing is about a couple things. It's about it's a mixture of a couple, a few things. It's a mix of running a marathon, playing a game of chess, driving a NASCAR, and running for president. If you can't figure all those out, then you're not going to win. So, and if one of them fails, if you can't be political, then you, you might get in trouble. And if you don't have the engine of the guy that's going to win the marathon, then you're in trouble. If you can't, if you're nervous on stage three into Long Wee, with if it's wet, the last three k very technical turns, steep uphill finish. If you if you're not ready to rub and race like NASCAR, you're in trouble. If 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 you don't know the tactics of the Tour de France and of cycling and try to f- just figure out the whole dynamic in the chess match, then you're in trouble. How much of that is on the race director? You know, you you identified all those things that right. a rider needs to do, but is, you know, a lot. Okay. In this day and age, with with radio communication, and there's been a lot of talk over the last ten years about radio communication. It really came to be twenty years ago, but over the last five to ten years, should we do? Should we have radios? Should we not have radios? Um, I I think it, it's very much up. You know, the 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 director is a partner in crime, and so. 
there's constant communication, and you know, it. In my view, honestly, the the, the radio communication, a la NASCAR, ought to be public. I mean, we at home on a day that's flat and you know pretty boring, we ought to be listening to that if we could pull that, that off. That helps fill six hours, yeah. doesn't it? Oh, <laughs> let's just cruise along this straight road for six hours. No, but um, but no doubt that the, uh, uh, the that communication or that connection to the director is is paramount um you already threw out who your favorite uh for the gc is who well are- well i want to i just if i can i want to elaborate on that I, I i do think i think form wise physically i think richie port is 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 the top favorite by the way too i think he's the best athlete in the race I mean, this is a guy who he was a top swimmer as a kid. I mean, this is a guy who, I'm just saying it right now, I've said it before, he's going to win the Ironman before before he's 40, if he wants. Um, Froome is obviously, Chris Froome, he's, 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 a, uh, he's a good talent. He has a good team. He's experience, won- experience, yeah, experience. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he, he, I don't, the, the technical stuff, we'll see. Uh, Nara Quintana, who everybody uh, refers to as a favorite, I think is a favorite. I, I don't know that this is probably the, the anti-Quintana uh, course that ASO has picked, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call a, a dark horse here, and and I and I actually believe pretty strongly in this that uh, Alejandro Valverde is is my dark horse pick, and I think he's he's actually a better pick for the tour than his teammate Quintana. This again, not to keep uh, rehashing it, but this is a super technical course. He will never back down when it comes to technical finishes. There's 10 seconds on the line every day, 10-6-4. I think he looks to that. And um, I don't think they can get rid of him. The time trials are short. He's not going to lose any time. And he's tough enough to hang in there on these short, punchy summit finishes that they have. I always wanted to know what you think of two things. When they have two contenders on the same team, is that more trouble than it's worth? You know, in America, we love our football. I always thought the quarterback controversy was a bad idea. Yep. Is that true in yep. cycling? And then is it also difficult if your team has a great sprinter and a GC contender? Yep. It, you're absolutely spot on, JB. Um, look, Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys, doesn't work. Steve Young, Joe Montana, San Francisco 49ers, doesn't work. Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Green Bay Packers. It just doesn't work. Um, the interesting thing about – because I've gotten a lot of questions today about the fact that there's only three Americans in the Tour de France. That's that's the that's we haven't had three Americans in the Tour of France in a very long time, and you know everybody in American cycling's got their hand on the fire alarm, like oh my god. Well, one of the guys who would have been, could have been, perhaps should have been there is T.J. Van Garderen. Um, but you know he's on the team with Richie Port. They would have led to co-leaders, and that just doesn't work. So what does the team do? The team goes, all right, we're gonna go, we're gonna go long on Richie. We're going to put him in the tour, and TJ, you go do the Giro, maybe the Vuelta. So they split it up. These teams, so we have a couple of those teams. You have Movistar with Valverde and Quintana. I almost think that can work because they're both, like, super chill guys, and, and they're like, you know. But well, they – well, not, not them in particular in general. Is the one that's least likely to be a contender going to work for the other one? I think so, in that, in that particular instance. Look at Astana. you got – 
this kid Aru from Italy, and then you have Fuglesong, who just won the Dauphiné, the, the race I just referenced. He stole that from um, from Richie Port. You know, that's that's probably a little more you know pricklier situation. But in general, it it doesn't. Uh, I did it. I mean, I, in two thousand nine, I came when I came back into the tour and was on Astana, uh, led by Johan Bruniel and and Contador and myself and all these great riders. It it was not fun. It's got to suck. It fucking Let's sucked. Let's be honest. It just fucking sucked. It really did. And, and it sucked even more when I got third. Uh, Second place is loser. Is Contador in the hunt? You know, I don't think so. Um, and I take take everything out of what I just said before that. Just as an objective perspective, I don't think he's uh, – I don't think so. Um, but but having said that, and, I, and again, I had this conversation with somebody. Somebody asked me about him earlier today. If he, if he rides a great race and wins a Tour de France – I'll be the first guy to say, "Right on, man," um, but I don't think uh, I don't think it's in him, and uh, uh, could be proven wrong. I don't I don't know how strong his team is, uh, and I don't know how much his head is in it. He, he, last year he was going to retire and then do another year. You know, this is a race where you you got to know what you want to do. It's not like, man, maybe I'll stay, maybe I won't. Tour of France, you got to know that you're here to stay. So let's talk about sprinters because. It is shaken up earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, they don't get to just have all the glory all through the first week. Is is the era gone of the, the, the incredible sprinters that would just blow it out the first week and pull out? Are those guys, is there still room for those guys, or do they have to be in for the long haul? No, they don't have to. They don't have to. I mean, I think if... if if some of these guys, whether it's Mark Cavendish or Andre Greipel or Cavendish, who's sick. Well, Cavendish is just coming off this bout with um, with Epstein's bar, or chronic fatigue, or, or mono. Um, His form is totally questionable. Uh, having said that, uh, you never believe what you read. Who knows? I, I don't know exactly, but um, there's some fast boys in this race. It adds hype. It it did well, yeah. <laughs> When, and, and, when and riders less, exaggerate a, an injury, yeah, an illness, that's I, great for airtime, air isn't it? But I do think <laughs> that that he indeed was sick. And um, the most important thing for this modern day sprinter, though, which really began with these sprinters of my era, like the Cipollinis of the world and the Abdujaparovs and all these, these these just crazy flamboyant you know storytellers in a sense, is the train. Right, the train that they bring to the tour, their lead-out train is the most important thing. So, you know, some of these guys are fast, but they're also on a team that has a GC guy or a stage guy or a climber. You know, so they don't have a train. So you're right. gonna see, we see this uh, year in and year out, and you can't have five trains. You can really only have one or two trains, and everything after that is just somebody fighting for a wheel. It doesn't mean they can't find the right wheel and ultimately come around and win the stage. But you start with the train, and it's a huge advantage. But And that goes uh, back to what we were just talking about. If you have the perfect train to lead out a, a great sprinter, a, a, a green jersey contending sprinter, those aren't the best guys to to get the guys up the mountains. No, and, and that's a different team. Yeah. You don't come to the tour for that. But if we're talking about the green jersey, yeah, we're done. I mean, the, 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 unless Peter Sagan doesn't show up, crashes gets sick i mean just give him the green jersey right now yeah and and so you know historically the green jersey represents the best sprinter in the race well sagan is not the fastest man in the race but the reality is the green jersey is a points race 
right? So every day you get points, everyone, not only at the finish line, but you get it at the finish, you get it at the intermediate sprints. So it's a, in totality over three weeks, it's probably 90 sprints, right? Con, consi- mm-hmm. You know, considering the finishes and the intermediate sprints. Um, he's going to have the most points if he stays in the race. There's no doubt. Um, but he's not the fastest man. He's not as fast as Greipel or Kittle or Cavendish. They don't need to be. Right? You've got to shed more light on that. How is it if he's not as fast as them? Is it his lead out? Is it his train? Be- be- it- because look, if you look through the course, right, if, and not to keep harping on stage three, but on stage three up to long, he is going to be. So there will be no sprinters around to collect mm. points. Gotcha. There are the, you know, there may be other days where there's a category two climb, 30 kilometers or, you know, 20 miles from the finish. They're all dropped. He's going to be there. The other so, sprinters are in survival mode. Yeah, they're to gone. To get to day, the next day. They are in what we call the gruppetto, which right. is the, the bus at the back. Right. And they're all just waiting, you know, to get to the hotel and get massage. <laughs> He's actually fighting to get over the Category 2, mm-hmm. stays with a group of 50, and wins with the fingers, fingers in the nose and gets full points. Gotcha. So that's how, but it's not that much different than the polka dot jersey. Right, the polka dot jersey. That's is, your favorite, right? That's that's my least favorite jersey <laughs> in all of cycling, in all of the entire world, in fact. <laughs> but it's an but it's a jersey in 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 which you're just hunting points. So if early stages you're sprinting up small hills, or if in the big mountains you're going in the suicide breakaway, it you know that's what it is about now. Which to me, like I can't even remember, in in you know my years of racing the tour or my years of decades of watching the tour i can't remember the last time the best climber in the race wore the polka dot jersey did you ever have it i never had it well maybe i may well, i don't know if i ever had it i know i had it in the tour de l'avenir and as an amateur in 1992 i think but um but i can tell you there were years in the tour de france where, where i guarantee to you i was the best climber in the race and i didn't win the polka dot jersey didn't nobody out climbing me and you know, all of a sudden, you know, Richard Veronque has the polka dot jersey. A lot. Really? <laughs> a lot. Please. But, uh, you know, okay, I'll, I'll I'll be devil's advocate a little bit with the guys trying to get the polka dot jersey. What does that TV time mean? You said many, many years ago, it's the only race the Americans know about and care about. And so that for sponsors, for your contract, for TV time, Huge. it could make or break a, a, your next deal, so can the, it not? Exactly. So there's three things to think about here. So number one, that podium time, like at the end of the day when the stage is finished and they present the yellow jersey, the green jersey, uh, the polka dot jersey, and the most combative, the most aggressive guy on the day, that's huge. If you can be one of those guys, you, you the sponsor's happy, your director's happy, you're happy, your parents are everybody's happy. So I'm not knocking that. That's a fact. So there, there's that, right? There's the other one this, that what I'm going to talk about a lot over the next three weeks. And ironically, this is the last Tour de France for Thomas Vokler, who's been around cycling for 20 years. I raced with him forever. Um, he is the king of what I call the TV attack. <laughs> when the cameras come up, you bet your ass, Vokler starts attacking. <laughs> Opens the mouth, tongue hanging out, heroic, panache. Ooh, that's a TV attack. That's not that's not a real attack. Yeah. That's a TV attack. So you'll see a lot of that, and we're gonna we're gonna have to call that out. I mean, as uh, Liggett would always say, he's making a meal of it. No, for <laughs> and and but 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 having said that, you know, 
he's going to go out of this, not to, uh, uh, Vogler has a fascinating story. This is a kid who's French, but grew up in Guadeloupe. His, he grew up with a mother and a father. His father would commute, quote unquote, commute from Guadeloupe to France and back. That's a long little commute, mm. long sail. His father went out once to go back to France, never came back. So it's a, he's had a crazy life, speaks perfect English. I, was, I could always communicate with him. Um, but imagine that, like your dad says, I'm going to sail back to France, and you never hear from him again. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, most of us just can't relate to that, nor, nor can I. Um, but the, he's going to go out of this Tour de France as a hero. Now, trust me, when they roll in on the, to, into the Champs-Élysées, really? he's done, you know, I don't know how many tours total. That'll be the biggest applause. So let's come back to you getting reengaged with cycling, following the tour, getting excited about it, taking a look at this route and going, wait, wait a minute, putting your sort of uh, uh, your your uh, analytical hat on. Like, what do you think? What would I do when you were looking at that? Uh, that stuff's kind of interesting to me. I'm very curious what this is going to be like for you. You're going to get up in the morning and watch every stage. I'm gonna. Here's what. Here's what it's gonna be like. Why? Because you haven't been doing this for several years. You've right. admitted that. It's been a long time. I'm. I'm very curious of how much. What's this like for you? Is I mean, do you watch it as a spectator, or are you trying to figure out everybody's move? Uh, well, this will be the first time in a very long time that I've actually. I mean, I'm gonna look at this. Uh, I'm gonna look through the lens. Uh, Obviously, as a spectator, but I'm gonna—I have my lens as a competitor mm-hmm. and, and somebody. So I'm like—I'm sitting here talking to you. I'm looking at the race book. Okay, so I know if I go to stage one, I know exactly what the route is. I know exactly where my hotel is. I know exactly—you um, know—turn for turn what the final five kilometers are. Um, I know where I have to be. If I'm me, I have to be surrounded by my guys. So I. This is the things that 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 I'll be looking for as a now as a spectator as a fan, um, and I don't know what the guys in Germany are thinking about or as they you know move around the country are going to be thinking about. But this is the way that this podcast is going to go, right? I mean, it, it, and even even so much as look, the great thing about having the race bible, which we both have in our hands, which is different than what you would see on the TourToFrance.com is, for example, you could have a tough finish in terrible conditions, and you look at, as is in the race Bible, there's a page dedicated to hotels. You could have one of the favorites, his hotel's five minutes from the finish, and another favorite, his is two hours away, and he's got to come back two hours. We're going to know that. Like, we have to know that. Like, that is a, a, a tremendous disadvantage. It's totally random. I, don't, I really don't believe that there's any favoritism or any any friendly picks. But See, those are the things. As we go through this next three weeks, those are a lot of the questions I want to ask. I, w- I assumed everybody stayed at the same hotel. Well, that's not true. And not only do they stay in you know, the, you know different hotels, different levels of hotels, but they stay in, in drastically different budgets. Know, I know well, they have different buses. No, there's no the the tour pays for the hotels. You you are told where to stay. You cannot if you said, look, we're a rich team, we got a big budget, 
we're going to have eight buses here and our guys are going to you can you're not allowed to do that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. See, that stuff's interesting. Well, here's here's a great story and I and I don't know it precisely, but there was a tour 30 40 years Eddie Merck showed up at a hotel and he said he said, "You know what? Fuck this. I'm not staying here." He took his entire team and he drove however far it was. It might have been 5 minutes, might have been 5 hours. I don't and he got a nice hotel. He said, "We're staying here tonight." The director of the tour drove to the hotel that they were at and he said eddie if you're not back at the hotel that you're assigned to be in you're out of the race and so that's just to this day you can have the buses before the race and after the race and the kitchens and all the stuff that 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 i think they should have if you don't stay in the shitty hotel campanile in off the auto route in france that they tell you to stay in you're out of the race see that's that's a lot of the stuff i want to ask as we go through this yeah I, you know, I don't know how you logistically pull off feeding everybody and staying healthy and making sure you don't pick up a bug from, you know, local foods you're not used to or you whatever. Can, you come in fit and strong. You come in fit and strong and, and well-rested and, and, and ready. And if, again, the weather, I can't, I can't emphasize enough how important the weather is. These guys come in uh, with a slight virus and if the weather is, not, they can get sick in in an hour it, they're it, done they're done the race is over you get bronchitis in the first week i don't care who you are the race is over uh, see that's what i've always been fascinated about with the you know the uh, multiple year winners is how many stars have to align for you totally lucky it's crashes, crazy crashes technicals flat tires illnesses um the list of things that can go wrong yeah. is is unbelievable yeah there's another thing, too, that may or may not come into play uh, as we're breaking down or going into and talking about discussing the tour the next three weeks. Is it's, it's a very unusual sport that you can communicate. The riders can go to a hotel and communicate with people anywhere. Right. <laughs> Which is bizarre. There are so, I can't, it's hard to even think of another sport where you can call a mentor, a friend, support from a spouse, a pep talk, a, some advice sure uh, uh, it's crazy if well, you that, think about it when it takes almost a month to do the event you get to do those things yeah but taking it a step deeper the if you are staying at the hotel campanile and for for the american listener you wouldn't i mean the campanile is the equivalent of of uh you know the shittiest motel on the shittiest highway that you can think of in america so there's no you know there's no grand wall around with security like so the 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 line between or the, the the communication between whoever wants to just roll up and kind of knock we'd have days where people just knock on the door and so it's they it's, find out where your room yeah, is and just bang on the door you think we're they, the only people in the world that have this this list of hotels <laughs> it's crazy yeah just roll up hey can i have an autograph but that that's kind of are like, we technically even supposed to have this i i you know i feel quite sure that um that if a and 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 i would i would go to my grave um uh protecting the person that got us the race bible but no I, aso would just you know just not they, they would not be cool with us having the race bible but we got it and but on the on the idea of communicating with the riders uh, maybe i'm letting the cat out of the bag I know that during the Giro, you were communicating with someone and gave him some advice. Yep. And it worked. Right. Whether you were responsible for that or not, 
but it's a cool thing to do. Yep. Someone who's understands tactics. Yep. Said, hey, here's what's going on. Yeah. Well, you know, that's you, a cool thing. To when me. you win your first grand tour with the number 181 on your back, it's kind of like a kindred spirit. So, uh, uh, and, you know, whatever. I mean, in lead up to this, to be totally fair and transparent, JB, JB and to everybody listening, there are a lot of these guys I didn't know. If I look at the start list, I know Contador, I know Valverde, I know Kreuziger. There's some of these guys, that, Lawrence and Dom, I know them. But 90% of these guys, I'm like, how do I pronounce this name? Yeah. What do they do? Like, I've talked to Lawson Craddock and TJ, like, like, explain this guy. Like, what is his deal? Is he, you know, what is his strength? What is his weakness, et cetera, et cetera. So I've had to get beamed up as quick as I could on, on who the players are, which not, I mean, we could sit here and fake it, but I don't want to fake it. Right. Just feel it feels like it's turned over. Yeah. Right. No, completely. Right. So you know, let's there's let's just share with people why they should su- subscribe to this. You're, if you're hearing this on the Forward Podcast and you're enjoying it, and believe me, I had 20 hours of pulling the an airstream time. I listened to a lot of them. They're great. You're doing great interviews on the Forward, Forward Podcast with with all kinds of artists and writers and thought leaders, and it's fantastic. If you want to get this cycling coverage, come on over and subscribe to this too. Obviously, if you know how to subscribe to The Forward, you're one of those techie people, I love you, just subscribe to this as well, and you'll get all these dynamics and some insider thoughts of what's going through your head and what you're seeing that I don't think you that you see on any channel. Yeah, Like I was saying earlier, it's like they're... They're all kind of buying in. They don't want to, you know, rub anyone funny, yeah, because they have access, right. as a commentator. Well, th- yeah, this is a different podcast, right? And and then you know, to go back to what I said earlier, you know, the forward was about different things. It was my life moving forward, but this too is about. It kind of has a the same guy that I sat down and jammed with and created the brand of the forward created the brand for We Do. I sat down with him. I said, his name is James Selman. I said, James, I want to I want to do a tour podcast. And as we talked through it, he came up with Stages. So Stages is a sub-brand of Forward. And Stages can represent a lot of things. It represents the stages of this race that we're going to talk about every morning. So that's the point is that we break down the stage. So you'll see new branding. You'll see uh, a new name. You'll see, you'll see all these things. It's a different podcast. It's not, I'm not going to have Lyle Lovett on. I'm not going to have Bo Jackson on. Right. Actually, I, actually, I wouldn't rule out having Lyle <laughs> Lovett on because Lyle Lovett is going to be in Aspen during the tour, and I bet your ass he'd love to come sit here and talk about the tour for a few minutes. But it's different. Right. And so it's a different podcast. So what people will need to do is, if you're a subscriber of The Forward, well, you'll just have to, you, you'll find stages. I don't know how you do it. I'm not that smart, but type in Lance Armstrong stages. <laughs> stages. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it'll pop up. But add uh, that subscription and vice versa. Uh, maybe you heard about the Stages podcast. Right. Also subscribe to the Forward. Right. I think you, if you haven't heard, and I've known you a long time. Yeah. I've known you like I think 21 years now, uh, and I've never heard you, and I've probably interviewed you 20 times too over the years. I've never heard you be so open and personal. And you're a damn good interviewer too. Yeah. And the cool, th- the, the other cool <laughs> thing, which honest. I just learned today, I got, I actually got an email yesterday from Outside Magazine. So Outside Magazine asked me. They said, uh, just out of the blue, uh, one of the editors said, "Would you, 
Would you be interested in blogging about the tour or writing, writing a blog every day about the Tour de France? That sounded really tedious when you heard that, didn't it? And I said, I said, well, did you have you been uh, tapping my phones? I said, ironically, I, I'm going to do a, a daily show about the tour. So there's going to be this neat collaboration between myself and Stages and Outside Magazine. So uh, there will be a, 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 a daily blog on OutsideOnline.com, as well as uh, this particular the Stages podcast will stream through OutsideOnline.com. Um, but so it, it, these are all just different ways to find it. The blog will obviously be very similar to what you hear on the podcast. Um, but nonetheless, you know, what you see is what you get. And, uh, I, JB, I look forward to it. I, this is, I don't know if you really understood what the hell you were getting yourself into. I didn't. But <laughs> I, I, you were, you were hedging, you were hedging on me. Mm. And I was, I was me and my crew, Dave, right, standing right here and Higgs. I mean, I was like. Wait till he rolls in it down. This is going to be the best three weeks of his life. Well, it's interesting, too, and I won't dwell on this very long, but I made a weird thing. I, I understand why you're doing the Forward Podcast. I understand the stages thing. You've known me a long time. I was doing the same thing for 20 years with a daily radio show and very successful at it. Had a blast doing it. I thought I would do it another 15 years. Yeah. Things blow up. Right. Life is thrown at some crazy... Uh, a misdirection at me. I went and worked for a startup the last year and a half. It's having trouble with funding. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Right. And FM and, radio changed. FM radio has completely changed. That's right. another story right. for another day and another podcast. Right. But, you know, the lo local radio is struggling. And so I'm in the same boat, you know, and, and it's it's had some influence on me where, I, and I started listening to your podcast. I, I saw you months ago and I was like, I told you. I said it's really good, and I oh, enjoy it. But it's, it's about. I had to kind of pick myself up and dust myself off and get over the pity party right. and go. Well, I got to move forward. Yeah, I got to move forward. This is a next stage of my. I mean, it's it's uh, it's weird. I I never up until uh, two years ago I would laugh at people that say things happen for a reason. Right. <laughs> right. I never liked that. Right. Uh, I always hated that expression, and right. now I'm living it, and right. I'm like. You know, that's why I'm here. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not sure what we're going to be like in the morning watching the tour, but. Yeah. The, <laughs> right. Yeah. The um, No, we're going to be good. But the difference between things happen for a reason and I got fucked is tremendous. And so the quicker you can get from I got fucked mm -hmm. to things happen for a reason and I'm, I'm a better man or a better person and I'm glad we're it's that's all about the forward and that's you know i don't we haven't totally broken down you know what you know the days of 94.7 and you and me jamming on bikes for kids which mm -hmm. give away thousands of bikes to kids in austin texas and all these things Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand bikes to to <laughs> underserved and poor kids in in austin texas um but here we are and it's the true essence of forward and it's the reason that we can sit down every morning i will watch this tour de france as a person's like I'm so present on this. It's not, it's not. Hey, I got fucked. No, it's, it's. This is today, and this is what, and we are moving forward, and this is the stages of our life, and so, let's call it the way it is. There you go. Amen. There you go. So again, I'm just gonna say it one more time for grins, because a lot of people are gonna find this, especially when you talk about the coverage from Outside Magazine. They may stumble in. They saw a blurb. 
heard it uh, about the Stages podcast, I heavily encourage you to subscribe to the forward as well. And those of you hearing this preview on the forward and you really want to hear insider's perspective that you won't hear anywhere else, subscribe to Lance Armstrong's Stages.